forever chemicals forever. that makes it sound so nice you know like <laughs> oh these are my forever chemicals <laughs> they'll be here long after everyone else oh, is gone so just romantic me sounding. and my forever chemicals <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Catch Me Outside. There's a lot to love about backpacking. There are definitely personal benefits, and some people might even argue that there are environmental benefits, as people who spend more time in nature become more conscientious. It's a hobby that's safe for the most innocent granola eater out there, right? Maybe not. Today, I'm joined by friend of the pod, Alex Tran, to unpack three not-so-rosy aspects of the outdoor industry. Alex is a backpacker, bikepacker, and gearhead who's been going on outdoor adventures for almost 20 years. We've had lots of conversations about the ethics of the outdoor gear industry in the months since I started the podcast, and I feel like Alex is a pretty conscientious person, pretty, pretty critical thinker. For today's research-heavy episode, Alex and I chat about plastic waste, the use of so-called forever chemicals, and the participation by some gear manufacturers in the military-industrial complex. We both acknowledged before recording that some of the core problems at the base of all of these issues are white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, um, imperialism. And, and while we do touch on these during the episode, we ultimately decided to keep the scope of the conversation of this particular conversation pretty focused. Um, it's not to say that there aren't many conversations to be had about those issues and the way they relate to the outdoor gear industry. You, you really like, it's, it's pretty hard to talk about, um, the outdoor industry in North America without talking about imperialism. Um, but we felt like those topics deserve more than to be shoehorned into, you know, like an hour long conversation about um, pollution and the military industrial complex. Uh, don't worry, though, there are plenty of hot takes. Um, a couple preemptive corrections before we begin. At one point, we say DWR means durable water resistant coating. It's actually durable water repellent. Also, I refer several times to Claris Company, but it's actually Claris Corporation. Anyway, I'm Megan Delaire. This is Catch Me Outside. And without further delay, let's get to it. Let's podcast. Let's podcast. Look at me. I'm podcasting. <laughs> I hear it. I see it. I believe it. All right, so hi, Alex. Hello, Megan. <laughs> Thank you for for coming over and eating the pastries that you made or <laughs> actually didn't make today. that my company made. Yeah, uh, you're a you're a hiker. You're a cycle tour tourer, cycle uh, packer. I like to get around. Backpacker. You like to get around. I like to get around. You own some gear. So do I. I bought some stuff. Some stuff and things. Um, I like nice things. Yeah, me too. Especially when they let me be outside and safe and dry and warm and, and comfortable and comfortable and not breaking my back and alive. And alive. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a lot to love about backpacking. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of personal benefits of doing it. 
uh, I guess you could argue that there are some environmental benefits, like if you're if you're walking for three months as opposed to driving around or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> or or it gets people thinking about the outdoors. I it's a bit of a stretch, but <laughs> I think yeah, I think yeah, for sure. If, if if you're in it, you're you're definitely thinking about it, and and um, especially within Ontario, you can't really hike anywhere for long without kind of seeing the human impact. For sure. Yeah. Even in the back country, like even in places that are kind of a huge pain in the ass to get to, you'll find things like, I mean, this is not really related to what we're talking about, but you'll find like frying pans and well, I guess it's kind of related. Abandoned tents. I found whole yep. tents yeah, in yeah. McCray Lake. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you could at the at the very least, you could say it's not as problematic as as hobbies like street racing or burning garbage or whatever but uh you know whatever whatever floats your boat yeah whatever you do for fun but um we're not here to put things on a yeah on a hierarchy (laughs) no no it's true and like uh something you don't really hear about as much you know on on podcasts about backpacking in the outdoors and particularly like ultralight hiking and 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 stuff like that and not just podcasts but like Mm -hmm. gear reviews and gear websites and blogs and things like that is like some of the not so um just straightforward happy things about about the outdoor industry that's true uh sort of the, the 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 elephant in the tent um so yeah, it might be it might be kind of a bummer to to confront these things. Um, and I'm going to try not to make any judgments about like whether they're they're net good things or net bad things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's important to to kind of just acknowledge some of these things and, and talk about them and like have a conversation whether we uh, come to any like offer any solutions or come to any conclusions or whatever. <laughs> I have more questions than answers, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, same here. But I mean, I think it's I think it's still important to to talk about it. So absolutely, Alex, we've been ch- kind of like chatting back and forth every now and then about like just weird idiosyncrasies with like ultralight backpacking mm-hmm. as, as an industry, uh, you know, like the, the waste and some of the weird ethics and stuff like that. So I guess we'll, we'll unpack some of those things today. Yeah. Let's and, get into it. And, uh, since you are a conscientious backpacker, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think somewhat, at least like you're, you're a pretty critical thinker. Yeah. I, I do ask questions. Um, I do wonder about certain things, but uh, and and uh, yeah, I guess part of the conversation is that like at the end of the day, unfortunately, I do utilize a lot of these problematic um, pieces of equipment and, and, and uh, strategies in order to, to be more comfortable and to, you know, be lighter and go further and all these other things. But yeah. uh, the tools in which we are given um, created by an industry that unfortunately has very negative impact on our the environment that we're trying to enjoy. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird and funny. <laughs> like, it's contradictory. Yeah, it is for sure. And so, yeah, it, I've I've um, I've put together some research about a couple of topics specifically that Thank I kind of want to address. Oh, no problem. It was my pleasure. So today we're gonna we're gonna kind of focus on um, the the issues, I guess, of uh, plastic waste. Mm-hmm. Um, in the outdoor industry and particularly in like 
uh, ultralight ultralight hiking and backpacking and things like that because mm-hmm. so many so many of the garments we use and so much of the gear we use is made of plastic but also like not durable very lightweight um and then uh forever chemicals P- pfas pfas um we're going to talk about these these chemicals that that make our favorite gear waterproof and flame resistant and fair sort of durable uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll be around for a really long time, even if they're not useful. Um, we're going to talk about that. And then, uh, a, a fun little section on the military industrial complex. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, how do you feel about me just like presenting you my plastic waste research now? Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm, and you I'm, can, I'm ready to be bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, yeah, like, like I, I say, bummed out, and it, and, and it is, it is troubling, um, especially you know, given given current events, and especially today, you know, we're watching a hurricane unfold, and, and the the correlation between that and and um, how we're impacting the environment is, is you know, it's very real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I'd be interested to know like how the presence of microplastics in like bodies of water might affect like their I don't know, the temperature or like the thermodynamics or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, yeah. Might I mean, it might not have a direct, but I mean, it it's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, 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 the amount of microplastics might not, you know, directly translate into a warming temperature. Or maybe it does, you know, because I... I'm Who's not, to say? <laughs> I, not me. <laughs> I don't know. But these things are cumulative and, and like plastic doesn't doesn't really you know it takes a really long time to break down so if it does at all yeah if it does at all so so um i mean i didn't really have to research to be able to say that the outdoor industry has a plastic problem Mm -hmm. um you know like often even before you've used a piece of equipment you're you're taking it out of the box in in like a a poly plastic bag or a poly bag um and these are these are like super super like widespread in the industry because they protect garments and things when they're going through like distribution from being scratched and 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 ripped and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just like one piece of the plastic waste. A lot of municipalities don't accept poly bags in blue bins. Um, they end up in landfills, and uh, of course, like only nine percent of plastic waste in Canada is recycled. Wow. <laughs> so. That is. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So so a lot of the poly bags. I mean, they just end up in landfills. Um, so an article by um, an an outside article called "By the Numbers: The Outdoor Industry's Plastic Problem" um, pointed out how so Patagonia conducted an experiment in which they ran um, some garments through their shipping system uh, in Reno without poly bags mm-hmm. and 30% of the gar- like the garments were damaged beyond sellability. So interesting. I wonder what is it about the distribution and shipping system that that um that causes like th- that 30% is a lot. I wonder if it's like I don't think it's like punctures cuz punctures would would go through a poly bag, but I wonder if it's just like there's a lot of grease and and dust and yeah. like things just get like stained or something. Like distribution yeah. centers are I feel like they're kind of like messy. Yeah, and, and and I mean, you know, even uh, uh, 
currently right now like where we're, uh, there's a lot of conversations about uh, supply chains and things like that um, the actual nuts and bolts and what's involved in shipping um, and distribution is still kind of largely a mystery um, yeah like like you know I imagine that these things go into crates and the crates are being carried by cranes and so beyond that like I, I Again, without any actual hard research, like I, I, I can't even begin to imagine like what is causing the damage there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is a mystery to me. Like just the process. I'd love to watch. Like I'd love to be able to see or track or follow the progress of something that I buy online as mm-hmm. it like makes its way <laughs> to me or to a store yeah, like or a, whatever. Like a helpful like. Um, you know, those, those videos where they break down, like what's involved in making a pencil and it goes <gasps> how from, it's made? yeah, like yes. a, from, from tree to pencil or whatever, Yeah, how it's shipped, how it's shipped. Yeah. yeah I think like, that would be interesting. Yeah. Somebody out there, somebody, the internet is, is a bountiful. Yeah. Wonderland. Not a, I mean, I don't think it would be, I don't think a podcast would be the right medium for this because no one wants to sit and listen to a description of what it looks like <laughs> in the distribution center. Some might. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it. There's maybe a niche like, for everything. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like a, like a nice, like visual um, presentation of how things are distributed. Yeah. Um, particularly, um, you know, outdoor equipment, I think would be super good for us. (laughs) Yeah, that, that would be very helpful. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, um, the, the waste or like the, I guess at the end of the day, using the poly bags is, is sort of maybe considered by some companies, the lesser of two evils. If the alternative is like having a bunch of garments wasted, but, um, also, yeah, what qualifies as wasted? I'm not sure. Like, but there are alternatives An outdoor, like kind of garment company called Outer Known mm-hmm. um, has switched to using these these things called Vela bags. Okay. So they're they're made from paper, but it's like it's really durable. Um, it's biodegradable and recyclable. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure how the paper is made durable, but okay, I have I have a comment on that. What's that? <sighs> um. So in, I own a coffee shop and I have switched over, not recently, but a long time ago, I I have switched over from uh, using those biodegradable cups to just the recyclable cups, which are now not recyclable. But the reason for that was that looking in preliminary into the actual manufacturing of these biodegradable plastics, A lot of them, the majority of them, at least the company that I was buying them from, and I'm not going to name it here, but because <laughs> uh, a lot of people in the city use them, uh, I found out that the, they're they're being shipped and manufactured in China. Ah. So if you factor in the shipping, yeah, uh, and all that, um, and plus all, on top of that, you're paying almost twenty dollars more per case. Like there's pretty high percentage uh, more that you're paying for these these biodegradable uh, things, Um, and and so there's not too much. It's a series of trade-offs. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. So this biodegradable cup or these biodegradable plastics that that protect the the garments. uh, Well, they won't. Well, they won't. uh, You know, sit in the, the 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 compost. The manufacturing, the shipping of them 
you know, almost shipping them around the world. It just cancels out like, any 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 sort of benefits that you have yeah. from the biodegradable, and so it's yeah. it's it's kind of a trade off. And so that that to me is 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 sort of something I think uh, worth also noting as well because yeah. I think I think the trouble with this is that like you know when people hear like oh these are biodegradable poly bags that's they stop thinking about it yeah right? that's true but you Not have to they, think critically we. <laughs> we yeah like yeah. you have to think critically like every every step of the way because mm-hmm. yeah if, if 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 these biodegradable bags are being as you as you mm-hmm. in your case like you know manufactured in China there's also an element of like we're taking advantage or like companies taking advantage of like maybe not having to pay people as much money, right, <laughs> you right, know, to exactly. like to, to manufacture these things. So they're, or their, vi- like, their, their industry standards, um, and, and their manufacturing standards are different. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not going to say better or worse. It's just different from, different from where it is here. And so the concerns that you would have, you know, investing into these companies might not be as clear. Yeah. Cut. No. So it's always good to like, yeah, to, to keep, keep asking questions yeah and it's a, it's a nice like it's a nice thing to be able to say yeah. you know and and I think we need to kind of be aware of that is that like you know you you have it it's replaced more than 105,000 pounds of plastic poly bags but um the other number I'm wondering about is like how much more emissions or how mm-hmm. how much uh, um you know uh, fossil fuels have we have we used in place of that in yeah. order to get those things and that's a that's a good question I'd be really curious to know, yeah, like where these Vela bags are made, um, and and like what the trade offs are, because yeah, there's no th- such thing as mm-hmm. a complete solution. No. Any solution you find is going to have its own its own problems. It's like right, and yeah. and and yeah, and I'm, I'm I, I, I get I don't ask these questions to be like yeah. I mean, part of it is 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 a, a, a immature <laughs> tendency to be to be to to, to kind of poke holes, but also at the same time, like I I think. I think it's a pretty relevant question. No, for sure. Well, yeah, you can't just like tout tout like biodegradable bags as the solution or whatever. It's like it's one thing, and and I mean, I do think that like if more um, like corporations and gear manufacturers are interested in looking for alternative solutions, then mm-hmm. then the overall effect could be better. But yeah, like then you have to look at yeah, what are the trade offs. Mm-hmm. Another company, Grundens, uses biodegradable poly bags um, made from a derivative of cornstarch. Again, I don't know where these are made or what the process is like, but at least they can be composted and and they'll they'll decompose in less than a year. Right. And then... um, And from cornstarch, you know, I'm, I'm... Immediately, I'm thinking about monoculture. All those cornfields, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's 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 another one of those things where yeah. it's a trade off. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're we're kind of in the position right now where we can't, you know, rest our laurels on on, on trade offs at this point. Yeah, like we we need better solutions. Better solutions. <laughs> and I just feel like again, I'm the guy in the corner, like just kind of pointing fingers at everything. <laughs> But not offering a lot of practical um, no, but that but like solutions. That's what a conversation is like. Yep. If conversations were all solutions, then they wouldn't really be conversations. I don't know. It's like yeah. I guess I'm more saying it out loud so somebody else doesn't call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. We're all your. We're all the answers. Thanks, thanks, Mister Solutions. Um, and then yeah, and then of course like other other plastics. So we've got like uh all of our all of our garments all of our synthetic garments polar fleece 
Um, according to an article by CBC, a kilo of polyester fleece released as much as 4.5 million plastic fibers in a single wash. Mm. Um, nylon garments, like, of course, don't shed as much. They're, they're like, they're a lot, you know, they're a tighter weave, but they, they're plastic, right? So, yeah. or they're nylon. So they don't break down like, you know, wool or cotton. Mm. Um, but then they don't perform the same way in the backcountry. Like, no. woo, garbage truck. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so so there's that, and then you know, of course, the freezer bags. I always take freezer bags backpacking um, with you know with my dehydrated meals. Uh, you have all the packaging for your freeze dried meals. And I mean, with our groceries, we've got a lot of packaging too. Yep. So um, so that's really not. And then you know, I guess it's not so much of a of a thing. But then we've got like the ultralight shelters, the sill nylon, the rain gear, the frog togs, and the dry ducks. Um, single-use emergency ponchos <laughs> that apparently ultralight hikers use, uh, like to use sometimes on the PCT. And, uh, you know, like, I... Not to put too much onus on individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have these things. I showed you my busted-ass frog togs yep. raincoat. <laughs> like, I've got a bag of freezer bags that I reuse until I can't use them anymore. But then, like you pointed out earlier, even if I'm not using them, they're not they're not gone just because no, they're, they're gone just, from yeah. here. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I, you, you just kind of lightly touched upon the... the, the the uh, individual responsibility versus uh, industry responsibility, and I think, I think that's a good. I, I think that's really important to bring up that you know this idea that that we as the end, end consumer are are solely responsible for what goes out there. I think is a a, a deliberate strategy by the, the worst players to try and offset their responsibility. These things wouldn't exist if we weren't extracting fossil fuels out of the ground these innovations but in turn these innovations and these technologies wouldn't also wouldn't exist and wouldn't allow us to go out uh to to do the things that we do yeah but (laughs) you know again yeah the individual like yeah the individual responsibility shouldn't be solely on us and like even if we all as individuals collectively stopped using x straws for example yeah like that doesn't change anything no it wouldn't make a dent at all no yeah, so I mean, I think companies that that make outdoor clothing and gear need to, I don't know, figure figure something out, like hold each other more accountable, or just be more accountable, or yeah. more transparent. Try to find solutions. Yeah. Like, not to say that we 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 don't, you know, because we're not like the biggest players. Uh, that you know, whatever we do doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. Um, but I, I think if if there isn't a, a sort of more holistic like approach to it yeah uh, that involves the bigger industries and the individuals um i think it's always going to kind of fall short for sure well i mean it's also like in between the end user and the manufacturer we also have like all the gatekeepers all the websites and Mm. blogs and Mm. podcasts and things that promote that you know like i'm sure i've talked about how I use a smart water bottle on this show or like other ultralight gear that I use. Like we were talking earlier about how um, it's sort of homogenous, like particularly in the through hiking Mm -hmm. um, community and Mm -hmm. like the ultralight community, like nine out of 10 people will probably say that they use like their kit includes like a smart water bottle, Mm -hmm. uh, a Sawyer mini, uh, an ultralight tent, Mm -hmm. like maybe an ultralight, rain jacket or frog togs or whatever Mm -hmm. 
and that's just like the the accepted like starter ultralight backpacking kit <laughs> and it's sort of an afterthought to to talk about yeah i don't know like this is like the sustainability or the impact of these things like when you read gear reviews they don't they have like warmth durability comfort right. weight they don't right. have like you know emissions or plastic or whatever For so sure. i think all all the way through like there are ways that we can change how like people who who gatekeep or, or like share information or whatever can change like what we prioritize and what we what we value and conversations we have about about these things too yeah i agree um and and you know it it, it seems like like the there's there's a new uh material that that everyone is uh not everyone but a, a lot of these ultralight guys are, are talking about which is um ultra ultra fabric whoa um i don't even know about this <laughs> I think it was made by Challenge Sailcloth, which huh. which originally, uh, I think, were involved in Dyneema. Okay. Uh, and Dyneema right now is 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 being used in a lot of ultralight gear. It's, it's, it's having a moment. It's supposed to be like super strong, uh, but not durable. If that makes sense. Right, like it'll withstand like strong winds and stuff like that, like w- like strong within the the prescribed uses, but yes, like yes. not durable, like but not durable in terms of like abrasion or like you know yeah. if you're using it in ways that that it wasn't meant to be used, then then it like apparently will fall apart really quickly. But anyways, awesome. this this other <laughs> this newer material, Ultra, is is uh, is touted to be, um, you know, manufactured out of one hundred percent. Uh, recycled plastics. Okay. Uh, and the, I think it's either the there's a the it doesn't use a certain chemical that apparently makes it a lot more eco friendly. Um, Can I interject? Yeah. Sure. Here, speak into the microphone. I lost my train. Well, if you're going to interject, all right, Ian's here. He's he's been listening. He wants to interject. I love it. All right. So, my people historically are the Mennonites and they are a semi-autonomous people who uh, isolate themselves from society and like when they started up they were pretty radical Um, but because they're somewhat isolated from society they don't deal with like hard currency very much Mm. they don't they don't consume products mm. like regular folks do they have they have to make do with what they have so they ha- they have a, a saying that goes um use it up wear it out make it do or do without the mennonites mm. came up with that pretty sure they did oh okay um i i found i found that in um like when i was researching their history hmm. but anyway um you know to take that a step further I'm not a backpacker, but I do observe it from uh, arm's length, and mm. <clears throat> there is a lot of there is a lot of emphasis put on gear, like any hobby, and that's cool. But I think a certain amount of this emphasis also comes with like a desire to appear a certain way. Mm. And when new products come out, or they look a certain way, or they have a certain feature, or they're just a little bit lighter, there's that like itching temptation to buy it which which means that you're replacing something that probably would still work Mm. so i think generally 
if through hikers or any hobbyist, you know, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a BMX rider, mm. same attitude. Like, yeah. 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 You know, I might have a part of my bike that's only half dead and I replace it cause I want a shiny new one. Yeah. You know, the, so in addition to wearing everything out, I think it's also a, a good attitude to try to buy things secondhand. If it was just easier for people to access secondhand through hiking gear, mm-hmm. I think it would diminish the ecological impact of the industry substantially. For sure. I totally you. agree. You're welcome. Thank you. I think an interesting point that he brought up actually was the whole fact of buying something in order to to sort of fit in. That that actually resonates with me. Yeah. Um, like, no matter how long I've been doing outdoorsy stuff, and like when I really think about it, I've I've been doing this stuff for like almost 20 years now. Wow. I never, I never really see myself as an expert. Um, I feel like I'm pretty confident like that I know what I'm doing to be able to do like a solo like summit or whatever. You got your um, stuff dialed in. But you know like like as he mentioned like you know it's a human sort of uh, uh, characteristic to, to, to just want to kind of fit in almost yeah. you know and, and, and that's something for me as a really racialized person like I definitely feel that for sure. Oh man yeah. And you know why I don't feel like because I'm a racialized person I, mean, I need to like prove myself. Yeah. There is always that of in course. the back of my mind and whether or not it plays into me buying gear or not is, is, is another thing but definitely it has some influence Yeah. and at times it has all the influence. Um, I don't know where we go with that. (laughs) Well, I think that, okay, so clearly there's like a little bit of a personal, like an individual responsibility there to like think about what's motivating you to, Mm -hmm. to shop for things and to buy things. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, like I question why gear manufacturers have to release like marginally lighter, marginally this, marginally more that every year because (laughs) capitalism. Yeah. So like, of course, when they're like, oh, now we have an even lighter, better tent than the shelter than the one we released eight months ago. Yeah. You know, then then and there's that, and then there's the whole again the whole industry of like gear reviews of we've added a pole toggle to it toggle yeah. to this you know backpack or yeah. it's got extra stretchy lycra on the back. Oh man, trail runners are the worst. You can never <laughs> ever, you can't even count on like those Olympuses that I have mm-hmm. like. I feel like I need to go buy them all up now because whatever the next edition of that shoe is next mm. year is probably going to be so different. Right, right. Like, and then, and then, yeah, of course, then there are like, you know, podcasts and, and blogs and stuff like this, like eating all, all of these things up mm. and talking and nerding out over it. So yeah, it's a whole yeah. obsolescence thing. And then like, yeah, never mind. you know, when you get into, to, yeah, like the, the whole plant obsolescence of, of, of technologies and, and, and like, I know, ultra shoes like the the trail runner shoes it ever since i found out about them everyone that uses them always talks about how they don't really last that long yeah but they're still you know i mean this has been years and they're still using them and like the new olympuses i just recently watched a video um by chase chase mountains okay um he's uh he's a ultralight uh, backpacker um, and he's got a pretty good following, but he even tested out a pair of the, the exact shoes that you have. And, and I think it was like a 50 kilometer hike and already on the side, like his shoes started to wear out and have wow. a hole. but he's still going to use them. He's still going to test them. And, and you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, 
like even though these these things have been proven to kind of like not really be durable it's almost as if like you know they'd rather be comfortable for a short little time and then because they have the means to just replace them whenever you know and like that's that's a huge gap i think like just not considering the sort of like uh you know, even though if you have the means to do it, it's like, should you, should you be, be just like treating them as disposable? Because yeah. at the end of the day, when you throw them out, they're just going to be sitting there in some landfill. Well, and I think that also raises the question of like, just because you have the means to do something, should you do it? Because I think so much of what's motivating people to go ahead and, and like, and me too, like I'm guilty of this. I know that these shoes aren't durable. Um, I know that they're just going to release a new model next year that I'm, that's going to be like, you know, whatever (laughs) different. Um, and I bought them because I have, I'm highly motivated to achieve this big thing, which is like, you know, a long hike on the PCT and these shoes are going to help me achieve Mm. that goal. Do I need to be so ambitious? You know, like, I don't know the people in this, industry this hobby like there's a there's a lot of ambition and people want to do like really crazy things Mm -hmm. and and really and achieve these huge goals and to the extent that like we're willing to you know like buy the frog togs or the whatever Mm -hmm. shitty cheap raincoat Mm -hmm. and 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 the shoes and go through three pairs of shoes and i don't know it's just a whole it's a whole thing like we're all a bunch of overachievers and a lot of us are willing to put aside like concerns about like manufacturing practices or I mean whatever. I mean it and it, it, it's not it's not even particular to the outdoor recreation industry too yeah. right like you think of all aspects of life and how much we compartmentalize what we're doing to the environment when we're yeah. doing things out of convenience um you know it's it, it, it's it's prevalent everywhere in life yeah um, and it's not so unique so like why wouldn't it be different in the outdoor in, in industry right that's true yeah it's just the way we live yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, and, and so you know well it, it like you know we're focusing on on talking about gear right now like like it, it is a whole like complete like sort of western lifestyle uh critique almost um but you know we only have so much yeah. time on this podcast today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, like the the outcome of all of this is plastics take hundreds and hundreds of years to decompose. They're piling up faster than they're breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're made from petrochemicals and they leach this stuff back into the environment as they break down. The petrochemicals and like other binding chemicals, they pollute everything they come into contact with. Microplastics have been found, of course, like in our lakes, rivers, oceans, wildlife, our food, our bodies, like pretty much everywhere on the planet, on top of mountains and and like in Arctic ice and stuff like that. So whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the solutions are, I don't have them and I won't pretend to know what they are like. Mm-hmm. That is something that's that you know that's at stake, and and it's more than just in the the outdoor industry, but it's a uh, it's a reality. Like a lot of us, myself included, prioritize lightweight and affordable over over you know like a little more environmentally mm-hmm. responsible. There's like a triangle with like you can have you can have two. Two out of three things on the triangle, but never the third. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, uh, uh, it's uh, everybody wants things um, cheap, fast, 
and good. Yeah. And you pick two and run with it. Exactly. You're never, yeah, you're never going to get <laughs> all three. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, okay, so we, we talked about like the smart water bottle thing and it makes sense to us yeah. that, that we, you know, um, like it's, it, it, it's something that, that, that through researching, like how people, um, their gear setups, like, uh, for, for doing like ultralight, uh, hiking, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can explain to, to listeners, like what, what is it about the smart water bottle? Cause they might not be familiar with, with that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, and so as far as I'm concerned, like the whole smart water bottle thing came from, uh, the priority first is like being light. Like once these bottles are are empty, they they weigh next to nothing. Yeah. Second of all, they're very easy to get um, when you're doing uh, resupplies or if you're uh, you happen to be in a small town or whatever. These things are easy to get, um, and it's maybe like we 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 call out Smart Water Bottle <laughs> as as the brand, um, but it's any really any, any plastic plastic, plastic bottle. bottle. Yeah. Um, that people use and um, the. I think the the the, the traditional practice <laughs> traditional uh, the the regular practice right now is is to, to use it in conjunction with a um, Sawyer squeeze. Yeah, what's the what's the type of like uh, uh, what do they call it? Something filter inline filter capsule filter. Oh, or hollow fiber. Yeah, hollow fiber. Yeah. Um, there's something there's a name for it like because it's, oh. it's self-contained and, oh. and it doesn't require like a, a gravity system right. I guess anyways so so you know people are using it with like the Sawyer squeeze with um, um, uh, what's the other uh, the platypus yeah quick draw. yeah the, uh, I have a Chinese brand I can't remember what the name is anyways it's 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 uh, it, it's like a little cylinder that you basically you could screw directly onto the smart water yeah. bottle and the threads are, are, are they match they up. match up and they work with each other and so um, you can you can basically rig a gravity filter system if you want to for much less weight essentially yeah yeah and and so you know it's it's light it's easy to get it's cheap on top of that um, it's a pretty reliable system in that like people are just copying and pasting that sort of water setup. Right. Um, it's tried the, and tested and yeah. true. <laughs> and it's almost it's almost standard practice now when yeah. you go into the outdoor world. There are absolutely a plethora of other options. But nobody uses it. I can't it. think of any. There, <laughs> no, well, I can, I can. But. Now they're coming up with Nalgene's that um, that you can use much like a hydration uh, pack. Oh, so okay. So it's like a screw. Well, no, no, no. The the Nalgene's the Nalgene. Okay. Um, and and what's different about it? You just screw like a hose system into it, oh. and there's a vent that allows that hose system to work without creating a vacuum. Right. Um, but you're 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 kind of using it in a similar way to a hydration pack. The only difference is that like you're using a a, a, a Nalgene bottle uh, instead of like the the soft pack. Right. Uh, and and because you have a Nalgene bottle, you now can use it as um, uh, something to keep you warm at night. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, something to keep you warm at night. Um, the Nalgene is going to last you obviously longer than, than yeah. the smart water bottle. Um, it will be heavier, but um, that's... And it won't fit in your your 
side pockets so well. That's the other thing right. about the smart water bottle. Right. It's like totally smooth, uniform yeah. shape, and it slides in and out. And that's the appeal of it, for yeah. sure. And and yeah, like I, I, I've, I've heard of a lot of like, you know, uh, gear shakedown videos where they just kind of, <laughs> they'll say like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you lose it or not. And it's like, okay. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, and I mean, like for 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 all intents, like for the practical reason that they're using it, it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, like it, it is it is a very cheap piece of thing. And if mm-hmm. you don't consider, you know, the the fact that this bottle, if you do lose it, and this is going to sit there, you're right. It's not a problem if you don't yeah. care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So of course, like there's there's, and I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't think about this intentionally doesn't care about it, but like the world we live in has allowed us to not. You forget to it. care about it. Yeah. I forget to care about it. I mean, I, re- I reuse them as long mm-hmm. as as long as I can, but right. they still don't. I have, you know, I've had an Nalgene bottle for five years. Right. I might use a smart water bottle for like probably too long, like a right. season until the plastic starts to get all cloudy and crinkly. Right. And then I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is safe. I don't, right. I don't know. So, and then, but <laughs> yeah. And so and so like like, you know, if 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 you're the kind of hiker that needs to prioritize um, being light, being able to conveniently acquire and replace that new piece, um, something that's simple, you know, that's not too complicated. Like even yeah. even using the Nalgene hydration pack system is already like a lot more complicated than just screwing a filter onto the top of a bottle. Yeah, you're not going to make a great case on using something else. No, you know what I mean. Uh, and, and, and especially if you're like, okay, well, the, the, the environmental impacts of like this, this, this individual uh, plastic bottle, um, like you're not going to make a great case on somebody using anything else, yeah. uh, unfortunately, right now. Like it, 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 uh, like it, it just, it's, that's just the sad reality of it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Like hike your own hike but have the same gears. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's really right on the head there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. He's just snapping his fingers. <laughs> Did he? Booyah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's any way to resolve that conversation or wrap it up at this point. We're just kind of discussing, yeah. presenting things that we know. Um, so shall we, do you want to, was there anything else you want to add to that or should we? No, I don't think All we right. PFAS's forever chemicals forever. That, that makes it sound so nice, you know, like, <laughs> oh, these are my forever chemicals. <laughs> They'll be here long after everyone else oh, is gone. So Just romantic me sounding. and my forever chemicals. <laughs> so, okay, so forever chemicals. Here's like, here's a little background. Give I mean, it to I'm me. sure you know all about this, but Give not it. everybody who's listening might. So, okay, so, um, and you can, Oh, I haven't gone through my so sources for my the first section were yeah that outside article mm-hmm. um, yeah, by the numbers outdoor industry's plastic problem and then the CBC article um, about your laundry and plastic pollution. I'll include the links to all my sources in the show notes. 
Um, so for this section on forever chemicals, I mostly used, so there's a famous article by the New York Times that's been adapted into a film called uh, Dark Waters, I believe. Mm. And it's about the lawyer who sued DuPont chemicals over um, PFA, oh, PFOAs. So I used that article as a source. Um, what are PFOAs? I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I used uh, a couple of other articles, uh, for one from a website called Roads, Rivers, and Trails, one from Toxic Free Future. I'll include those in the show notes as well. Okay, so PFOAs. Okay, so back in the 90s, um, Cincinnati lawyer Robert Billot um, sued DuPont after a farmer came to him to say that you know his cows had started to get sick and, and die horrible deaths after DuPont... Uh, situated a landfill near his farm in West Virginia. So the company had been disposing of per perfluoroctanoic acid. Mm. <laughs> I probably butchered that or PFOA um, at the landfill and then you know the the runoff ran into a stream that then flowed down to the farm. So they knew that pluro perfluoroctanoic acid was highly toxic, um, but they did it anyway, and then they tried to cover it up. Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah, the corporations are really good at that. Yeah. Um, so PFOA belongs to a family of water and oil-resistant chemicals called per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, so PFAS, or you know PFA substances. Um, so these are artificial, like, human-made chemicals. They have really long carbon chains, and they take a really, 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 really long time to break down. Like some of them, like PFOA kind of like virtually doesn't break down in the environment. Um, and that's why people call them forever chemicals. <laughs> um, so there are 60,000 different types of PFA substances. Um, and a bunch of them are found in high performance plastics that are used in kitchen products, um, computer cables, medical implants, cars, airplanes. And oh. Gore-Tex. And Gore-Tex, yeah. And DWR, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So. DWR durable water resistance. Yeah. Treatment. Treatment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a treatment. So, um, you know, in the end. Uh, so, yeah. So DuPont used PFOA to make Teflon, um, knowing that exposure to it caused like serious damage to every organ in the body. And they dumped thousands of tons of it into sludge ponds. So basically um, they did all these studies along with 3M because they initially bought the PFOA from 3M and they found that like basically like these, these chemicals affected every organ in your body because they attach to plasma. So they're, they go everywhere. Wow. And, and the farmer whose cows had died, he was like, you know, autopsying them because the vets in the town wouldn't do it because everyone was basically like oh, they're bought by right. DuPont. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The article's really interesting. Um, I haven't seen the film, but so I guess he like autopsied his own cows and like some of their organs were green. They were like deformed. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, PFOA is really toxic. It takes forever to break down. Um, and it's basically now like everywhere in the environment. Um, just because it was used for so long, um, and it was released, uh, through chimneys, like powder in a, in a powder form and <laughs> cool. dumped, dumped into water. So at this point, 
it's it's everywhere. Like it's in it's in all of us. It's in you and me and and it's in Ian and Otis and everyone who's out there camping and stuff. Mm. Um, the good thing is like you have to accumulate <laughs> a certain amount to feel the effects. I but see. it's in all of us. Right. Um, so Dupont was sued three times by this lawyer. Once representing the farmer, once for the EPA Environmental. Um, protection agency Mm -hmm. i think and then once in a class action lawsuit and after being sued three times dupont and all other companies that produce pfoa started phasing out production so now they've replaced pfoa with other varieties of forever chemicals or pfas um so so we're not using the really 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 bad one anymore just the not great ones. yeah just the not great (laughs) ones so in 2015 um 200 scientists signed a document Uh, from around the world, signed a document called the Madrid Statement, um, outlining their concerns about all, you know, PFA substances in general. Um, So they suspect that the chemicals are part of like the the endocrine disrupting family of chemicals. Mm. Um, So they interfere with human reproduction and metabolism. Well, that's what they, that's what endocrine disrupting chemicals do I see. um so they they can yeah interfere with reproduction and metabolism i think they can damage dna they cause cancer and thyroid problems and nervous system disorders it's really bad shit really bad yeah so here's an excerpt from the letter um pfas are man-made and found everywhere pfas are highly persistent <laughs> as they contain perfluorinated chains that only degrade very slowly, if at all. Under environmental conditions, PFAs are found in the indoor and outdoor environments, wildlife and human tissue and bodily fluids all over the globe. Um, so we'll include a link to that letter in the show notes as well. All good stuff. Yeah, really heartwarming. Um Literally, when the acid is in your heart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so the scientists who signed this letter recommended legislation to limit the use of PFAs to only like really, really essential uses. And they said pretty much everyone should just avoid using products with PFAs in them. Um, but that's kind of hard to do because fluorochemicals or PFAs are in most things that are stain resistant or waterproof. Um and then that's where the outdoor industry comes in uh, hey. because they're in rain jackets, boots, gloves, tents, anything with a DWR coating, as we said, durable water resistant coating um, or treatment and uh, and other equipment made using Gore-Tex. Uh, they all contain PFAs. Um, it's attractive because it's waterproof, it's oilproof, it's flame resistant um, and, and it's long lasting. It doesn't break down. doesn't mean it's durable for your purposes, but, uh, well, I mean, I guess that's supposed to be the idea. Um, so, all right. It's, I should note the garment. So garments containing PFAs, I guess, have been tested for human health and safety. So they're not in like your, your raincoats and your, and your boots and stuff, I guess, at a level that can make you sick. I think, okay, I, I did read something about okay. that in that, like, the PFAs that are in Gore-Tex jackets, they've been stabilized oh. by another chemical that's oh, also great. really, really bad. Awesome! But what that also does, Oops. it makes the material just basically last forever. It does okay. not break down, and all those images and um, uh, reports of, you know, Mount Everest being completely covered in, like, 
human bodies in, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, all this like tents and uh, Gore-Tex jackets, they're never going to break down. No. Even if they were brought down to a place where it's like it's not completely frozen, like they're just never going to break down because of the chemical we added in order for those PFAs to not enter into our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> they're maybe not entering into our bodies, but they're they're sticking around and, yeah. and they're and it's cumulative. Yeah. Like they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and and maybe they're not entering our bodies from those garments. But like once once these, um, you know, like chemicals as they leach into the environment, we don't really know what the effects will be downstream of of. Uh, yeah, of these things just like yeah, and if, if if we're going by the the just the the you know regular practice of these industries, like these are the things that we have found out about. That's true. Yeah, these are only <laughs> the things that yeah we somehow we've found out about. Imagine the things that they're not telling us. Yeah, that the, yeah, and you the know? things that they don't know about maybe because. They're sourcing the materials from a supplier. Exactly, and they don't need to know. They don't make DWR necessarily in-house. Like, they don't make these chemicals in-house. So, yeah. So, they don't don't degrade. They don't go away. They stay in the environment. Um, There are concerns about about their effects on all living things. Um, So... At this point, outdoor brands are. Are you laughing at the sounds of Parkdale? No, just the um, the, the the last low. So what's our solution? And I just, <laughs> I, I don't mean to make light of it, but it's like it's it's sort of bewildering. There's no solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, there are a lot of trade-offs. So outdoor brands are kind of in a race now to see who can come up with waterproof materials that don't contain. Forever Chemicals. So Gore-Tex has created a new waterproof membrane that's free of um, PFCs or PFAs. I haven't even introduced the acronym PFCs, but it's perofluorochemicals. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and those garments are supposed to be available by the end of this year, but they're still treated with DWR. So mm. even though the garments themselves are not made with PFAs, they're still treated with DWR, which does contain PFAs. Um, so that's a thing, uh, there, oh yeah. Okay. So Nemo, I don't know, I don't know much about this new Gore-Tex material, but Nemo launched a hundred percent, 100 percent recycled proprietary fabric, um, for two of their tents, Dagger mm-hmm. and Hornet mm-hmm. that doesn't contain PFAs. It's made from a super, super, I didn't include this in my notes, but it's made from like a really, really tightly woven, I think nylon. It's like so tightly woven that it's water resistant. Is it um, is it sill poly by any chance? Oh, maybe. I don't um, know. Because I know the difference between uh, nylon and polyester. Polyester is hydrophobic. Oh, So it doesn't absorb maybe. any water. Uh, and, and nylon too does absorb water. Oh, yeah. So maybe it is. So sill poly is used in like my, my Durston tent is, is sill poly. Mm. And it, it doesn't... Uh, and the advantage is that, like, because it doesn't absorb water, it doesn't, like, it doesn't sag. And yeah. so the structure of it just Mind remains. Um, yeah. And then, like, there are some other things going on. Fjall, Raven, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever actually said that word out loud. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said it out loud either. <laughs> Fajal Raven. Fajal. <laughs> sure. 
Uh, they uh, eliminated PFC impregnated or PFAS impregnated texture uh, textiles from their products back in 2012. But you never see people carrying their packs on no, <laughs> long no. distance hikes. Yeah. Um, Nick Wax says so. People Nick Wax for anyone who doesn't know is like an aftermarket waterproofing treatment. Um, you can use like if your waterproof garments are not so waterproof anymore, you kind of like throw them in the wash with Nick Wax, and yeah. it helps. Um, they I sell guess, their they sell their products right beside their their actual DWR treatments too. So do they? Yeah, like oh. Nick Wax has has a DWR right. treatment. Um, well, they say none of their waterproofing treatments use PFAs, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I and might then be wrong. Um, maybe I'm thinking of of Nick Wax. The the I think Gore Tex sells DWR, don't they? or. No, I don't think Gore-Tex makes a DWR. Mm. I think it's it's like I've seen like like Arc'teryx branded yeah. DWR or okay. like maybe I was mistaken. I th- I thought I saw a Nick Wax like branded DWR spray there might be. or something. Let me see. Um, I did a lot of this research, but I, I mean, all of this kind of just says to me that like as long as we are operating under the parameters of a capitalist system. The yeah. motivations for for in any environmentally um, friendly uh, uh, concerns are always always going to be a marketing thing, because within the capitalist system, envir- the environment and the health environment, it, it's not factored in. Um, no. And so by definition. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it, these are all nice and things, but like because of what we talked about with the trade-offs, um they're not using these these particular chemicals. And 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 these particular chemicals are d- let's not get it wrong, like the the main motivation for not using these is because they're harmful to us. Yeah. humans wearing them <laughs> wearing them yeah. yeah and like the environmental in- impacts are are again secondary to that it's like first of all we don't want our customers to be using the customers who pay money to yeah. us to use them to die yeah if it happens to leach into the environment those long-term effect, uh, effects won't affect their return exactly. immediately yeah and so there's never going to be any true motivation to 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 actually find a more holistic um, solution. No matter, yeah, no matter what any one company says <laughs> about saving the world or whatever. So in order to fix the gear industry, we just basically have to move away from capitalism. Yay. Easy. 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 Well, it's so funny. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The through hiking community is really funny because... And and I feel this too. Like you, people talk a lot about like you know I want to get a, away from society. I need yeah. a break from connect with society. nature. Yeah, I want to recharge. With nature. Go go inward yeah. and like you know not not be bombarded with ads and materialism and that stuff in like itself that. is a very self centered sort of yeah. like practice, right? Like like yeah, like it is important for sure. It is and well it's beneficial. Yeah, but let's not let's not. You got to put your oxygen mask on before you put. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> no you're right though like it is it is really self-centered it's like i don't want to participate in society yeah so i'm gonna go take off i'm gonna utilize all the 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 accumulation of technologies and 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 um 
and, and equipment that 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 exists as a result of the civilization we've built mm-hmm. along the way we've built by destroying <laughs> the very wilderness that we so romanticize. Yeah. And then using photos of it in our ads and stuff like that, like using it to sell our pimping, <laughs> pimping out the forest to yeah. sell our things. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's and it's all it's complicated again, because like, you know, you can't say like, oh, well, you, you know, you can't be against capitalism because you participate in it. We're all we all we're all stuck kind of like <laughs> yeah. fairly stuck participating in capitalism, yeah. like even just buying our groceries and stuff like no one it's kind of impossible to be like completely self-sufficient right now, but I mean, it's also thinking critically about it is. <laughs> yeah. It's also a weird position to, to, to kind of be like, Oh yeah. Just because we participate in capitalism, like, like as if that's a choice. Yeah. Right. And, and just because we participate in it, we're not allowed to say anything about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Like that's, that's how I think, um, depending on which political spectrum you fall under, <laughs> um, that exists exactly by design. Yeah. They don't want you talking about it. They don't want you thinking about it. They want you to feel, they don't want you to feel bad about it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's all, it's all by design. If you're, if you're too exhausted cause you're working 50 hours a week or whatever to, to like do the, I don't know, to think about it or do the reading or whatever, you know, that doesn't help either. <sighs> we'll be bummed out yet <laughs> <laughs> all right so so yeah that's pretty much all i have for notes on pfas that's kind mm-hmm. of the the state of things as far as i know right now is that like um yeah like some some brands are moving away from them but like you said like they're we don't know what else is going on like that's just one pfa pfas's are just like one component of all of the like synthetic chemicals and things that so mm-hmm. yeah lots of acronyms there yeah, LOL. A lot of abbreviations. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I have for that. Um, if we're good on just leaving that where it is. <laughs> leaving people with those I mean, happy we're not, thoughts. But, you know, yeah. We don't really have much to add in terms yeah. of uh, answers there. But No. Um, all right. So the final fun topic, and I think this one is is well they're they're all pretty contentious because again like with the plastics and stuff you don't want to put too much of the onus on people um individuals especially because like some of those things are are more affordable than than the you know like the cheaper mm. lighter whatever are more affordable than the more expensive things just like you know like the same you know argument with walmart and yeah any- yeah so so yeah we don't want to like demonize individuals um and i think i think this one's going to be i don't want to i don't want to piss off individuals with this but um i think like something that uh, well i mean i'm sure a lot of people know but probably lots of people don't know that you know a lot of their favorite outdoor gear brands are kind of like tied up in the military industrial complex um a lot of really popular brands manufacture tactical gear and defense gear used by police and the military um so you know, like these are really well-known brands. They have a lot of visibility, but they don't really go out of their way to advertise it. So I'm, I'm going to like kind of highlight some of these and I'm not saying it to be like boycott them, boycott like, mm-hmm. you know, Patagonia because they sell tactical gear to the U.S. government. But um, I think it's good to know yeah. at least like, 
you know? So Patagonia founder Yvonne Chouinard is is held in like pretty high regard for being, you know, an ethical entrepreneur, whatever that means, uh, and a nature steward and a pretty decent employer. Um, lately, like recently, he, he drew a whole bunch of praise when he announced that he was going to transfer his family's ownership of Patagonia to an environmental nonprofit. Um, so I was personally pretty surprised when I read that Patagonia Works also produces a line of tactical gear. What? No, I'm, 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 I guess I'm going to ask a question. Yeah, yeah. Does that for you? Yeah. Do you think that negates the benefits of what he recently did in terms no. of like, um, and why not for you? Okay. So it's hard to say, it's hard to say like what the net outcome is. So, okay. So they're giving money, they're support, they're giving money like a billion dollars to like nonprofits, environment, non environmental nonprofits, which is, which is great. Okay. And, and, and producing, tactical gear for the US military under the Lost Arrow project doesn't change that fact. But then yeah, like you can you can go like around and around and around and around because like war also has like yeah. environmental impacts. Of course. Um you know, and like the whole military industrial complex uses lots of like has I'm sure a pretty big carbon footprint and like um so it's hard to say like I still think separately like you know, d donating that share of the company to environmental nonprofits in theory is great. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the nitty gritty of like how it'll work um, and what the money will be used for. So it's hard for me to say like, mm -hmm. like I have no idea what the actual practical outcome of that will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a clear cut, obviously thing. No. Um, and you know, if, if, if you were to break it down, I suppose, like if this money that they're getting is 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 obtained through um, through the success of their company, and part of their success is because they have innovated and come up with you know uh, cool projects as a result of getting funding from the military and the military, at least spe specifically the U.S. military, yeah, as we know is the most well-funded by far military <laughs> yeah. in the world. And so, you know, any, any sort of money that, that Patagonia is getting, I'm not saying it's solely because of their projects with mm -hmm. the military, but like the significant part of their success and how they're able to, to be a profitable company is because, well, not because of it, but, but it, it, it certainly doesn't hurt it for sure. And and one has to wonder that if 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 they didn't have that relationship, would they be uh, successful as successful mm. of, of an outdoor company? I don't know. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Um, like, did they do they get? I don't know where they get most like where most of their revenue comes from. Uh, like, so yeah, are are they? Do they get most of their revenue from like their public? You know, like uh, just sales to civilian civilians yeah. and then reinvest that to to develop um lost arrow or mm. vice versa i don't know i okay so with another company but that's a good question like that's a good point though like yeah 
I, I think, I mean, for, for me, I think the short answer is that, like, if it wasn't their company, it's somebody else. The military True. is going to military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're always going to look for ways to innovate. And, like, if it's not, if it's not Patagonia, like, we're going to mention Arcteryx, Leaf, yeah. Solomon, Outdoor Research, Black Diamond, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's all these companies that are for involved sure. in it. So. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, all they're really doing is, like, they're making garments that are going to keep people safe. And warm, yeah. And warm mm. in, 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 like, really hostile environments while they're doing whatever they're doing for the U.S. military. Right. You know, they're not, they're not manufacturing bullets and tear gas and stuff like that, <laughs> which I will get to because uh, <laughs> somebody was doing that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's... It's, uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think? I mean, I, I think, again, like, I think if it wasn't, if it wasn't Patagonia, it's some other company, um, that, that's going to be, uh, taking its place. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, at this point here, here's, here's, here's my thing is that like, we haven't always had this attitude of, of emphasizing or, or, you know, like, let's say like 20 years ago, if we were to look at this same subject, maybe not 20 years, like 30, 40 years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when we we don't have um, yearly wildfires and, and hurricanes are literally <laughs> becoming bigger and bigger every year this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, it's a it's a hot topic that we're talking about, whether or not it's it's, you know, we're we're seeing the actual effects of climate change and things like that. Um we weren't always as critical. I think at, at some point we probably just we we probably were aware of 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 uh, of companies and their involvement with the the military. Yeah. I think it's like I think it's especially alarming now because you know we do look at it in terms of more environmental impact. Um, but I don't think it's it's fair to sort of apply that like oh they should have been thinking about this twenty years ago when right. they when they were first involved in it like they they you know companies will get involved for multitude of reasons with the military and it's not just like you know for funding you know there's, yeah. there's all sorts of different reasons that we can't speak to so i think i don't know for me i think like now moving forward this is their decision yeah to to transfer his family ownership i think now at this point if he were to continue knowing what he knows and to just continue ownership and, and not donate the money i think he's perfectly well within his right to do so, but I don't think we should automatically just condemn him just for his, in, 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 his uh, involvement with the military. I think it's, again, it's one of those complicated issues where it's like, no, I don't, and I I don't don't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater altogether (laughs) (laughs) to use a, to use that term. No. And I agree with you. And like, I don't, I don't want to condemn Arcteryx, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Patagonia or like or even like, Ar- you know, Arcteryx for Arcteryx Leaf um, or, you know, Outdoor Research also makes tactical gear. Um, they make gloves and, and hats and, and stuff like that. But I do think people should know mm. because there are, you know, there are people who are like ideologically opposed to sure. there are pacifists. There are people who wouldn't want to support something like this or like, you know, worry about their money being reinvested into it. Like whether, like I, I'm, I'm still, I, I own things by these companies. I just bought mm-hmm. a hoodie by outdoor research. Mm-hmm. Like I have black diamond trekking poles, you know, I'm not saying like everyone needs to go and boycott them and that we need to condemn 
although Black Diamond's kind of a clusterfuck. But um, I do think like people should should know, mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. some people I think it would matter to some people for sure. And and I think I think it would be uh, I think it's also I think it's important to also note that um, that Patagonia has gone to efforts to keep this under wraps as far as i'm concerned i think like there there hasn't been any deliberate marketing whereas arcteryx they created their the branding of leaf in order to to market that to and and even leaf like you know like to the average consumer who has heard of arcteryx might not have necessarily heard of leaf and that's deliberate Mm -hmm. there's a reason for that there's a niche (laughs) and and you know but on the same vein though unfortunately that like the the very fact that like you know there's certain consumers that they withhold um that part of the company it does work to their advantages their their advantage with certain consumers as well Mm -hmm. right it's like you know, we sell this to military and I know myself included. <laughs> that sounds very appealing on, on for, for, for several reasons. Right. Yeah. And so it's not, not just a, it's badass. And, and it, it is tough. And, and yeah, exactly. And it has nothing to do with like, you know, um, s- state sanctioned violence. No, you no. know what I mean? Like, like there is like, you know, again, like the, like this whole podcast, we were talking about like the, 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 the practical reasons of why we utilize this equipment. Um, and, and the, you know, its involvement with the military is more of a standard mm. than an ideology. Mm. Right. And, 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 and you mean like just like a standard business practice, like stand, standards in, in terms of like, with gear and, right. and how you're using it in, in the environment, as we we're saying that like, it's supposed to keep us warm, dry, right. safe, and then comfortable. Um, all those things are, are very much important. And, and, um, you know, it, it, it's not about the fact that like they're, they're in the military. It's, yeah. it's more about like, Oh, if it's a military, it's gotta be durable. It's gotta keep you safe. It's gotta be all these practical these things. People are outside and like, all kinds of conditions. Exactly. And, and so yeah. if, if it's good for them, I'm going to, I'm going to find use in it. For and so sure. like, that's the angle that I'm going for. It's yeah. had nothing to do with the fact that it's an imperial, imperialistic yeah. <laughs> like, like machine. No. And it makes sense. Like, yeah, like you said, like if these people, if these companies aren't, aren't making this gear for, for the military, like yeah. who's, who's doing it? They have, yeah. they have the, the research, the, the experience, manufacturing the gear they have like the distribution Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it it makes sense Mm -hmm. i guess you know it's just i just think i just think people should should be able to know absolutely yeah yeah for sure whatever your reasons are yeah (laughs) yeah like patagonia they under patagonia works they list lost arrow like on the website that we like you know these these are the subsidiaries of patagonia works but all they say for lost arrow is government and that's hmm. that's it. Right, um, right. Whereas, like, even outdoor research has like a tactical page on their website where you can, like, they're they're not they're not they're pretty transparent about it. Like, you click on the the tactical thing and they call it pro. Pro is that they what it call is? it? I don't. I, I think oh. it's funny in that they're they're getting a little bit more savvy because I think they they understand like the words like military and. Uh, tactical or whatever or have have whatever. these sort of like as, yeah. uh, like connotations and so they're going for like yeah oh. words like pro like pro model or pro yeah, deal you know yeah. what i mean and it's like it's all it's all code switching <laughs> yeah yeah 
Well, and then, okay, and then there's Black Diamond, which I think is, like, in a category all on its own. So um, Black Diamond is owned by Claris Company. Um, and Claris Company... Uh, Claris Company's executive chairman and controlling shareholder, so, like, you know, top top guy, is a man named Warren B. Canders. And so Canders... Okay, so first of all, Canders is the CEO of Safari Land, which used to manufacture rubber bullets, batons, stun grenades, and mm. tear gas for law enforcement. But then in 2020, during during like all of the um, during that sort of like second wave of like Black Lives Matter um, marches and and protests and things, um, CBS revealed that Safari Land's tear gas had been used on protesters in Washington as well as on asylum seekers, including children at the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, so after that, Safari Land announced that it was it was going to kind of like leave the tear gas and rubber bullet game and mm. sell sell those components off. Um, so now they just produce body armor and, and other tactical garments. But uh, Claris Company also owns Sierra Bullets, which sells, quote, the most accurate bullets in the world. Um, and not, and then uh, this isn't just like shotgun shells for like hunting birds and deer. Like they sell bullets for like rifles and handguns. They have a whole defense section on their website. Um, so yeah, again, like bullets, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like there are lots of, lots of people have a gun license and like, you know, shoot guns for sport. People hunt, like, I don't see anything wrong with like I don't have a problem with hunting. I don't have, mm. but I don't know. It's just like it's kind of hard to reconcile. And I realized the hip, like the hypocrisy of this when I own a you know a pair of black diamond trekking poles. But like yeah, it's it's just it's kind of tough to reconcile. Like knowing that like they're also <laughs> they also sell tear gas and rubber bullets to <laughs> cops that are used yeah. on like migrant children and and. Black Lives Matter protesters. Right. Um, I mean, they don't do that anymore, but... Right, and one has to wonder, like, uh, they stop manufacturing because they're responding to the backlash or if somehow, and we'll never know about this, Yeah. in that, like, maybe the manufacturing of the rubber bullets wasn't profitable, and that's simply the only reason why. Yeah, And it maybe. happened to just work with their PR. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so they can be like we, we listened, we learned. Yeah. We that, decided it's not profitable for that, us anymore that to do this. bullshit that they feed us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah, it just wasn't profitable because of supply chain issues in 2020. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, good point. Yeah. Who knows? Well, yeah, because I read, and I don't have numbers for this, but I did read when I was doing research last night that, um, like, Claris Company most of its revenue comes from Black Diamond, mm. not from Sierra Bullets. I and see. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean... But, you know, the suspicion of whether or not this is actually true or not, but the suspicion is there because, again, like what we were saying before, we are operating under the rules of capitalism. And and, and nowhere in those rules do, do we consider, like, the 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 social health of a population yeah. or like the, the environmental health. No. <laughs> only, right. only it's, it's whether it makes people money or not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the population needs to be healthy enough to work and to buy things, yeah. <laughs> work and consume. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. It. So, yes. <laughs> 
and like you know to dream a little because because when you dream and you're aspirational then you can go buy things that help you <laughs> achieve your dreams uh yeah so and 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 another i mean you know the uh the the bullets were were being used on asylum seekers um the tear gas. I'm not sure the about tear, the rubber bullets. Sorry, sorry. The tear gas yeah. is being used on asylum seekers, and 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 you know that 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 brings up an interesting thing. Where you know why are these people seeking asylum? Mm. You know, there's a lot of. Um, you know, if you look at the places where they're most hurricane prone, like you know, people mm. are, people are relocating from that, and, yeah. and and that ties into to uh, you know um, climate change and you know the crux of what we're talking about today is that the reason why this exists is because people want to recreate in those environments and the other you know the people who suffer the most are the people who can never afford this stuff yeah don't look at it like at the world in the same way that that we do and and and, and um as a result you know vicariously we're supporting companies that that um that impose violence on them yeah yeah it's kind of it's like it's really kind of a crazy circle of like the global south pays for all of the environmental degradation that like western countries are causing yeah we're playing everyone else is suffering and then yeah yeah. and then trying to migrate you know like trying to like come up here where things are a little bit better (laughs) i guess in a ways a lot well yeah like you know, they're, we're just trying to get away from like where they're not safe to a place where they think that they'll be safe mm-hmm. at the U.S.-Mexico border, where all these through hikers are starting their hikes, hikes. <laughs> every yeah. spring with yeah. all their black diamond and Patagonia and outdoor <laughs> research and stuff. And then, meanwhile, the asylum seekers are getting tear gassed at the border. <laughs> it's just like yeah, we start to see how everything just like is interplayed and interconnected. And, and yeah, and I did kind of start off talking in this conversation with you today sort of just thinking that like you know we might be able to get through a conversation sort of focusing on certain areas and not convoluting it with you know uh, bigger subjects like geopolitical um, issues and right but again it's see how intertwined it is and it's like impossible to yeah um and i hope you know in the future we could focus more on, on, on those things and, and, and not have it as an afterthought and not try to like at least Shoehorn with 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 my personal growth like yeah constantly trying to like compartmentalize things and like you know like oh yeah I want to buy this but it's not from a great company but oh I need this I want this I think I need this to fit in I think I need this to survive like yeah um like to get to a place where you know we do have better solutions for things but <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough and again like i just want to emphasize like this is not about condemning people who have like arcteryx leaf stuff or it's first first world problems black. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it's just like i just think it's interesting to to talk about these things even if of course, it's always great to be like solution oriented, but just because you don't have solutions doesn't mean that like you can't talk about it. You know, just because you participate in capitalism doesn't mean you can't criticize it. Hmm. All of that. So. And some of the biggest innovations have kind of come out through the uh, through the military. You know, think yeah. of all the, all the advancements that we've had as a result of of uh, you know World War Two and all, I mean, I don't know why I chose that one, but. 
<laughs> I feel like that one was a little more easy to justify than some of the recent wars. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, even then, like now, now that that we've had so much time to deconstruct and analyze everything, it's like there were. It was clear cut on the one hand, but there's yeah. also just a lot of new information that that again convolutes everything yeah um but i guess yeah i guess what i'm saying is uh, you know the innovations of technology if you were just sort of again focus on that itself like there's there's been a lot of a lot of benefits that that you know like the internet yeah exists because of the military gps like how it's now affordable and like very commonplace all right well that is that's 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 all my research. That's pretty much everything I have to say. That's um, it's very well done. Well, thank you. I learned a lot today, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, thank you um, for for taking this on with me because it's like it's not a really easy conversation to have because again, like you said, there's no solutions and and you don't want to like make people feel alienated or whatever for you know. For of course, yeah. You're, you're welcome, and yeah. thank you for inviting me. I I uh, I was. I was definitely very nervous about talking oh. in front of a podcast, um, uh, especially where there's a place where my voice is being recorded. And um, but I definitely learned a lot, and it's definitely gotten me a lot thinking a lot of a lot of things. And I know sure. once my partner hears this, she's gonna have a lot <laughs> to say. <laughs> Well, you neither of us ever said that we're not guilty of these things. No, like we're just as much a part of the problem no. as anybody else. No, she's like, she's 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 just I I, I I I have to say that she's incredibly intelligent and yeah. and, and very she she's a, a big motivation of why I'm on this podcast is, cool. is, is because of some of the things that she's pushed back on me oh. in the past and 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 uh, you know maybe at the time I I, I didn't I didn't. Um, appreciate it as much but um, yeah I think uh, I think that's important shout out to Alex's girlfriend Steph partner Steph, Steph, Steph Hamilton Steph shout out Steph <laughs> Hamilton thank you for your influence um, okay uh, now just as a matter of um, logistics no as a matter of of um, procedure uh, I have to ask you a few more last questions. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, pizza toppings, meat or veggies? Meat. McDonald's or Wendy's? McDonald's. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Fruits or veggies? Fruits. Scrambled eggs or sunny side up? Sunny side up. Nintendo or Sony? Oh. <laughs> at, at this point, <laughs> at this point, Sony. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At this point, Sony. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, reading. I hate these one answer because, like, <laughs> I always have a lot to say about. You know what I mean? Like, I do have an answer, but like, it requires a little bit of context and yeah. explanation. And I know that's not the point of this, but it like. No, it's it okay. It leaves me really uneasy not okay. explaining myself. But why let's, Sony? Let's it. The. Cause that's what I'm currently playing, but oh. Nintendo as the brand, I will always like, you know, have respect and big up for it because that was the first, you know, it's the first yeah, love. It's, OG, it's yeah. my first love. Oh. I, gotta, I gotta remember. I gotta Sweet give Nintendo. Credit. credit where credit's due. All right. Well, congratulations. That was great. You, 
can only pass. So. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to stop recording now. Okay.